I'm surprised, David, you weren't going to take your twin to Isolation Island. Terry. Yeah, I thought you were going to take Terry. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah, That'd think of the language. Okay. Bad Lots language. Lots of questions. Yeah. It would be a very lively conversation. Yeah, yeah. yeah things in jackpots and, yeah. <laughs> it's become a bit of a, a Mets hero after that, hasn't he? Oh, yes. Bit of a folk hero. He just showed so much. He was old school manager in a way. That he would show so much personality, and I think that sometimes people feel is missing. The managers nowadays maybe are too, yeah. yep. too young, too too tied to the front office, and uh, you know, just more willing to speak their mind back then. And you know, Terry very much spoke his mind. I remember one moment they were playing poorly in 2016 before they did that. You know, did that had that turnaround to make the mm -hmm. wild card. They were playing so poorly. They had called up so many players. It just wasn't working. I remember after a loss, like Terry came in there, answered one question, went on a three and a half minute rant about how they would add a whole <laughs> new, an entire new roster if they needed to. Love it. Uh, like if these players weren't working, he was going to call up everyone from AAA, and they just got up and left the room. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's he's shouted at me, he's he's barked back at me. He's like, you no, know, there's been good back and forth. But that's just like that. You appreciate that more than sometimes the highs and the lows, maybe then like maybe someone more robotic in that sense yeah. yeah he definitely enamored himself to the fans when he stood up for the team and put himself sort of in the way so that his guys could get on playing and uh, he took the brunt of the abuse or verbal from the umpire yeah he would do that I mean that's like a, I mean even Aaron Boone does that now too uh, he is yeah. for his calm kind of even keel as, as uh, Aaron Boone can be. He does have this like kind of short fuse, it seems, with umpires. As like a manager, that sh should be part of your duty to get yourself thrown out of the game so your player doesn't. I love ejections. Uh, I love that stuff. Ejections are so funny to me. I love that stuff. They <laughs> are. They are. Yeah. <laughs> I love the dramatic ejections. I remember seeing one, and I can't remember who it was. Um, it was a manager, and he went round and he picked up all the base pads and Lupinella. threw the base. Lupinella was like famous. Yes, for that. Yeah. yes, <laughs> and threw the base pads and then stole yeah. the umpire's brush and threw that. And... We don't really have yeah. that over here, do we? So it's quite fun to watch. Yeah, but once yes. you get thrown out, like you're already out. Like just go for it. I don't know. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you're already going to get fined. I mean, the, the worst that could happen is they suspend you for a game or something like that. I guess I don't know. A couple games. Just don't make contact with the umpire. Don't touch them. And Aaron Boone, I think, got suspended for a day because his, his hat hit the umpire's hat, I think is what it was. Just don't touch them. They get as close, close to each other as they can, nose to nose, chest to chest, almost touching. And there's, it's real drama. <laughs> and that's not a good example to set for the kids when you see that. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I'm not a proponent of violence, but like when they have like no. the brawls on the feet. I'm not saying like when they no. hurt each other. No, like no. to see like an unusual thing, emotions are flaring. There's more emotion than kind of the, the sometimes tedious games. Interesting to see people like yeah, out of there. But it's it's funny when like the bench is clear and they just sort of stand there giving each no. other verbal abuse and that's my impression. Yeah, a bit of chest beating and like like yeah. hold me back, hold me back. <laughs> and they don't do anything and it is just like, oh dear. Handbag handbags. Handbags at dawn indeed. Fights. You know, I was gonna say, like I forgot to say this earlier, but I know Mets fans always say that they uh 
you know, like the woe is me stuff. And I remember in the 2017 season or 18 season when things were really bad, 17, I want to say, when all the injuries were piling up and the Mets were just failing and the Nationals overcame them. And I think won the division that year or didn't, I think. And I always used to say, like, as bad as this is, nothing will beat, nothing will top, sorry, the time that team's closer. I covered a team where the closer choked the MVP during a game in oh, the dugout. Gosh. Like, as bad as you guys think it might be, like, that was probably one of the that craziest was... days I've ever covered in baseball. Like, and that was near the end of that season, and then the manager got fired after that season, and he was just another example of maybe people saw it as another example of the manager maybe not having full control of what was going on, full understanding of what was going on with his team. Yeah, that was like, it, it could get worse, trust me. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. And if you don't so, know what I'm talking about, it's Jonathan Papelbon choking yeah. Bryce Harper end of the 2015 season. Yeah. In the dugout during a game. I don't blame him. I would do the same. <laughs> Joe! That's a violent streak you're showing there. Sorry. Because you're a neutral, do you prefer the AL or NL style of baseball? Huh. So, are, like, are you in favor I've, I've, of the universal DH or not? <laughs> I understand why they would do it. I understand the reasoning. So, I like, yeah, I mean, I do see with a season where everything's just going to be out of whack, go for it. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of interesting stuff this year, different things. But uh, I mean, just in general, I mean, I've covered the National League for like, what, seven years, eight years, eight years, I want to say seven years uh, and the American League for one. This past year covering the Yankees, I found myself, I hate to say this, but like thinking less, I guess, strategically as the game goes on. The few I think I was still thinking strategically, you try to think along with the manager to understand why he's making a move, what he's doing, why he mm -hmm. turns to this guy in this situation, if that's his routine. It usually brings this guy in to face the lefties. You know what I mean? Things like that. But like basically the biggest decision an American league manager has to make is when to pull the starting pitcher. That's like, that's it. Like that's the biggest decision. There's no, um, you're not pinch hitting very often. You're not double, you're not double switching. <laughs> like in the national league, there's so many, you have to think so many steps ahead. Like when is the pitcher spot coming up? Like, are they down? Are they up? Are they tied? Do they need offense? Should they pinch hit for the pitcher there? Even if he's going well, because you want a better hitter in that spot. And then who are you going to bring in? Do you double switch? You can get two innings out of this guy. Like just so much strategy. You're thinking so far. So I was always like thinking, like, running the splits, like checking to see who's better against lefties and righties, who might he bring in just to make sure like, cause you know, if the manager screwed up, like if something bad, if he, if a decision backfired, if he didn't make the best decision in that moment, like that's a question after the game in the American league, I just didn't, have to think about that as often so i don't know i mean it depends which style you like i mean do you like offense the pitchers in the american league starters in the american league have more work cut out for them they have to face an actual hitter more often so they probably have a i mean do you want to see that style of hitting and pitching or do you want to see strategy in the other end i don't know like i'm just more used to the national league i guess we want to see uh. bartolo hitting home runs don't we yes yeah you never have gotten that but then like that's like once in a what? How many years did he play baseball? I know, but and it's never worth that? it. Like, so like, yeah, so yeah, like, but that's to bite the bullet moment. for all those all those bad moments for that one like amazing one. So like, it's up yeah. to yeah, like which one do you want to see? Like, I don't know. I, I I would probably lean more towards the National League because I'm just so used to that style. But I don't know if I necessarily think it's better or not. Like, it's all your point of view. But the uh, Mets pitchers do tend to be quite good hitters, certainly in the starting rotation. Yeah, we're quite lucky. was good. Wheeler was pretty good. Uh, but honestly, like, I hate to say this, like, our fans buying tickets to watch Zach Wheeler or Jacob Dick Brom 
hit a single to left field, or are they paying tickets to watch him, you know, throw seven innings and strike out ten? Like, so like, if you if you take that argument, then there should be a DH in the National League. Like, that's not what you want. These you want to see these guys do that. So, do you think that Jake could win another Cy Young this year if they were to start playing tomorrow? Oh yeah, sure. I mean, like, he is probably the the most, if not one of the most, the top three talented pitchers in baseball. Yeah, why not? Like, he easily win a third in a row. I just like this season will always have an asterisk on it, no matter when it starts and how long it'll be played. Playoffs will be expanded, likely be expanded. Sorry, um, other things going on that'll be very different. So yeah, I just don't. I mean. In the context of his career, people have even been writing stories about whether like it affects his Hall of Fame kind of credentials down the road, losing one year in his prime right now. Yeah, I think it'll always have an asterisk this season. Yeah. Good and bad. Is it just like I mean, how do you like Alonzo could have been like, you know, let's say he hits he has twenty he has ten straight years of forty home runs, something like that. This year will always be an anomaly because what he what he could have done that this year, who knows? But yeah, you just won't have enough games to do so. Do you think the short t- season will benefit any particular team at all? Yeah, ones with uh, teams with uh, less depth, teams that don't have. I mean, baseball is a marathon. I would say over 162 games, the best teams rise to the top because it's not just the 25-man the roster. It's the 40-man roster. It's the depth. Like, they're built to last. Like, it, it's a battle of attrition to, like, over 162, the best truly, like, usually get to the playoffs. Like, the, it's, a, it's a large sample size. And 82 games, 80 games, like, I don't know, will a team that probably might not have been that good have a better chance? Yeah, because smaller sample, maybe they don't, like, maybe their, their best players don't get hurt and their backups won't be exposed. So teams We might have that, a chance, guys. We might have a chance. I mean, potentially. I mean, the Mets top is <laughs> very talented. It's like the depth that might be a problem. Uh, yeah. So, like, yeah, there's an argument that they could have a better chance of making the playoffs. Maybe having the DH with Cespedes would be useful. If he's able to come back, if he's used this time to get healthy. He's drinking lots of water. <laughs> Even if he's the same type of hitter. He hasn't played in two years. So, like, that's a huge factor, too. Like, it's not just assuming that he's going to be the same guy, even if there's a DH. So, yeah, I, th- I would say with teams with less depth are more maybe potentially able to make the playoffs. I mean, that's everyone. So, like, it'll, it'll just be, again, it'll be an asterisk year. Yeah, well, I was uh, talking to a friend about this and they were saying it might benefit the Astros because they'll have less people throwing at their heads, less abuse from fans. People might forget, maybe. You know, before all of this, uh, they were still projected to be like, you know, based on advanced statistics, whether you believe this or not, a 95 plus one team. So, like, they're still a good team, like, no matter what. And people, like, despite losing some of their talent, like Garrett Cole and others, like, they're still a very good team, and people might not want to hear that. What do you think the odds are that the Wilpons will st- still own the Mets next year? The huge wrench in all of this uh, is the coronavirus pandemic. Like, if, you know, the economy is in serious trouble, not just in sports, obviously, everywhere. So, like, has the value of the team changed? Like, arguably it has, uh, given what's going on. Like, and who is going to pony up, like... People that had accessible money to pony up billions to buy this team, do they have that kind of money still available right now? Can they free up that kind of money? It costs a lot of money to buy a team. And I know that like people maybe had dreamed that Alex, you know, A-Rod and J-Lo, I mean, they've made a lot of money in their careers. Are they billionaires? Like, no. I mean, bil- bil- we're talking, this is a lot, a lot of money. I think that has thrown a huge wrench into their to the sale, given like 
we're already talking a very, very, very narrow segment of the population that could do this. And now how are they affected and how is the price of the team affected? Um, yeah. And how much urgency do the Wilpons have to sell the team given what losses they might accrue this year with only half a season or whatever debt has piled up? I'm not answering the question, but I just, I think it's just made <laughs> now. You're doing very good at not answering these questions. He's a journalist, isn't he? That's what they I do. Know. There's a lot of nuance. Life is not just black and white. There's a lot of gray, you know? <laughs> yeah. There's been a lot of talk about expansion of teams sort of prior to coronavirus. There was talk about it anyway. So do you think the tri-state area could support a third franchise? I'm going to give you a no. How about that? That's a clear answer. <laughs> I, would, I mean, they could support it, but the problem, I mean, the issue is that like... Uh, Major League Baseball, the commissioner's office has said pretty very, very, very clearly that they need to resolve the situation in Oakland, the Oakland Athletics and Tampa Bay Rays. Their stadiums are old. Those need to get resolved before they even consider expanding. But there's even been rumors, discussion, talk, people dreaming about putting teams back in Montreal, putting a team even in Mexico. You know, Mexico, they play baseball, a fair amount of baseball, too, uh, more mm -hmm. concentrated maybe in the capital and north, maybe a little more along the U.S. border. But like maybe putting a team in Mexico, you know, Mexico City is not that long of a flight from Houston or Dallas. Like, I mean, it's a longer flight probably from Seattle to Miami than it is from like parts of Texas or south, the southern part of the U.S. into Mexico. So even Guadalajara or Monterrey, but like places like that, you, you're capturing an entire country, not just like that city or that region. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would say that there are other places even within the United States, Portland, Oregon. I think I've even heard rumors of like, maybe a team in Tennessee or people dreaming about putting a team in Tennessee, that part of the South that doesn't have a team. So yeah, I would say it would go elsewhere before it would come to New York, the, the, this area. I mean, I know they play those games in London. I know this one got canceled for this year, but like it's a six hour flight from what, five hour flight, seven hour flight. I forget what it is. Six from New York to London. It's a six hour flight from New York to Seattle or New York, you know, did you make San Diego? Last year, James? I did. Yeah. Uh, it was a hectic, like few days. And those games were wild, and it was a lot hotter than I expected it would be. I'm like, it's one of those It was super humid. It was interesting. It was like uh, an interesting experience. They tried to say the majority of fans, I forget the number off the top of my head, but a fair number of them were bought locally. But it did seem like there were a fair number of expats or Americans that had flown over. It's obviously a first foray into this, but like, if this is a market that they want to expand, it's going to take repeated efforts to do this, not just like, you know, one game or one two game series. Um, it, it just it did feel still pretty American when I was there. I did maybe see as much local interest per se as say the NFL. The NFL has been playing games there for what a decade, almost a decade. There's far more fanfare and attention to that than I mean. There are people I ran into on the street that maybe didn't even know there were baseball games going on nearby. Did you go out and experience like fish and chips or pie and mash or anything like that when you were in London? Yeah, I mean, a little bit. I didn't have much time because I was working. Uh, I know Joe and I thought about meeting up, but I didn't have any time uh, when I was there because uh, I'd come a few days early to try and knock out a story in uh, Western London, which kind of fell through. Uh, so I was going hard on that one. And then I didn't, didn't have much time. But I mean, I do like food. I've been to London several times, living in Belgium for four years. My family and I would go out and visit Europe. So I love London. It's a great city. Uh, England's a wonderful country. The countryside, like my sister was a big Jane Austen fan growing up. So I remember when we were in high school, I was in elementary school, or high school, sorry. My dad took my sister for like her birthday. We went on a Jane Austen like countryside tour. We went to her old home. <laughs> we went to like the place that uh, 
gosh, what's the name of the palace? Sorry, uh, the uh, the one that senses sensibilities, Pride, Pride, Pride and Prejudice. What's the name of the house? Oh, the I'm gonna we went there. We're not cultured enough for that, are we? <laughs> this was during Mad Cow Disease time, so I remember like we went to you had to go in there, and there were these pots of gel you had to step in before you could go in. Like your you, your shoes would have to step in this gel that would clean. Oh god! Yeah, and I couldn't give blood Chase for a long time because of the because of living there. Oh, no. um, so I, I love London. It's a long way of saying like I love the food. I mean, I know some people would make have jokes about British cuisine, uh, but I did have bangers and mash when I was there. I remember yes. specifically having those, and I like those. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, there's a lot of great like. There's a lot of great, like, I had great Malaysian food, I think, one night. Great Thai food, great Indian food. It's just a great mix of culture. Like, there's uh, that local chain in London, Dishoom. I'm not yeah. plugging. Oh, yeah. But I, they have, like, they have great, great food. Yeah. They have these mutton, nice. these, like, spicy yeah. mutton, spicy mutton. That was really good. That's what I like about New York. It's such a melting pot of different cultures. And you, you can walk down one street and try something, walk down another street, try different totally tif- different cuisine there's great i mean even here in queens where i'm at right now amazing queens is probably one of the most diverse neighborhoods in the entire country i don't know but it's not the world but like it's just like you can walk down the block it's an amazing uruguayan bakery an amazing colombian bakery then there's you know uh himalayan food tibetan food uh then there's incredible thai northern thai food then there's a malaysian restaurant across the block and vietnamese sandwiches right across from there and all for incredibly cheap prices especially for new york too yeah. cash only wobbly table hole in the wall like those are the ones like <laughs> those are the i love yeah the, the little hidden gems the ones that only locals know about yeah especially in like uh yes i love you know checking off different cuisines like when i'm in san francisco there's like burmese food if you've never had burmese food it's amazing it's, no. there's a community of burmese people in a small i guess a relatively big in San Francisco, western part of San Francisco, there's a lot of Burmese restaurants. Burmese food is incredible. This mix of all those different countries and different styles of cooking, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. So, like, every time I'm in a city, I like, what's a large uh, population uh, that, I, you know, of people, uh, foreigners or, you know, people that have come to this country, emigrated here, second generation, open restaurants, like, go try that food. And so in Detroit... There's a lot of great kebab restaurants or like Miami, a lot of great Cuban, Nicaraguan, Venezuelan restaurants, stuff like that. So I'm always looking for that stuff. You make me hungry. So we're gonna, next time we go, when we're able to fly safely, we're going to have to hit you up for restaurant tips. Yeah, definitely. John Oliver said being a Yankees fan was the wrong thing to do morally. Please explain why it was 100% correct. That's a mean uh, question. <laughs> they won uh, 27 titles World series. And so like, I think people, you know, like, think it's not. It's not fun to root for a team that has just won the most number of titles. It's kind of level of consistency and excellence. Like I think they've what they haven't missed the playoffs in many many years. Uh, I mean they did recently, but like they haven't. There's been this long stretch of them missing the playoffs consistently. So like it's like there's not as much devotion as like you guys might feel like you have for your team or you guys have for your team because there's not these huge upswings of up and down. Um, so like. <laughs> There's this kind of like called the evil empire, uh, the Yankees, just big spenders with big money that usually win. That's why. <laughs> and we're British. We root for underdogs. And let's face yeah. it, the Mets tend to be the underdogs. And the final question we got uh, was, 
about uniforms, the Yankees are steeped in tradition and haven't changed much, while the Mets have had many different looks. Are there any favourites? Between those two or any other uniform? Both. Any, like, between the two and any other sort of favourites around the league or anything else? So I was debating this. I was texting with some friends about this the other day. I don't, I'm not a uniform, like, geek like some of them are. No offence. Um, but... It was like the year the Mets won the World Series in 86. Those, that style uniform was really classic. That one's a really cool one. Yeah. The Yankees are just like to consistency, like that, the, you know, the, the pinstripes. That's like is instantly recognizable. I remember when I wrote the story where I talked to Les uh, about, Les made the comments about like how he was wearing like, you know, the New York Mets hat and he had to explain to people what it was. But people didn't know what the NY Yankees, you know, the, you know, the, the black mm-hmm. hat and the Navy. Black, maybe blue hat, sorry, with the with the white NY. That's like instantly recognizable. So there's kind of like a classic, like timeless look to them. Um, but I don't know. I mean, like the San Diego Padres, like the the brown uniforms are really cool. I think those are really cool. The Montreal yeah. Expo, love those old school Expos jerseys. Yes. Um, those are really, really cool ones. Um, the old school Brewers, they started bringing back the glove, the MB glove. Yeah. Those are really yeah. cool too. The Dodgers are pretty classic, but they're, I guess, they're kind of plain, the same as the Yankees. They haven't really changed that that much. The Pirates were the cutoffs. The Pirates' mm. uniforms, they, have the, yeah. they used to have the cutoff, and they would wear the black sh- short sleeve sh- shirt underneath. Those are kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, like, even like <laughs> the old school Marlins ones when they won the World Series in 2001, I want to say, where the, yeah. the, green, the green was a lot more like popping. <laughs> like, it was like, brighter like neon kind of green those are kind of cool too i don't know if you guys have any favorites two of you guys are favorites i can see right now so i love the 86 one i love that one yeah those are uh for me as controversial as it is it's the black mets (gasps) yeah i don't know why people are so worked up about this i don't like (laughs) people love it or hate it i guess I think it's because it's when I started to watch baseball. I started in 2006, which was sort of the pinnacle of the black uniform. And we won the division that year. And I just kind of, it's it's the sentimental side of me. Yeah, that's allowed. (laughs) Thanks, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) So, James, if people wanted to find you, where would they find you? Uh, not your not your address. Let's put that out there. Way. Uh, I think I'm fairly responsive on there. I try to do my best. Like, uh, but it's like yeah, my Twitter account's by James Wagner. So at b y James Wagner, traditional spelling. Uh, find me on there and like, yeah. Any um, any positive feedback? Any criticism? You're an idiot. Like I'll take all of it. Like whatever. You know, I don't block people unless they're like super, super offensive. Uh, I rarely block people. I just, you know, that's the whole point of the medium. They say whatever they want. James, before you go, something we always like to know about um, stateside uh, chats is: Do you have a premiership team? No, I don't. Uh, I guess I've become so like, I guess agnostic to like rooting for a team. I don't have any any team anywhere. Um, there are teams that like are interesting to me. I guess I read about. I mean. I don't mean to offend anyone. I mean, like, Tottenham is interesting. <laughs> Maybe not right now. Ah, uh, that's it. I'm off. <laughs> I'm not a fan, though. Like, I just think they're interesting. <laughs> like, I'm not He's saying I like Terry Collins. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, 
I don't want to say other teams. Because <laughs> I don't want to. Like when I lived in Europe, I remember Man United was obviously huge. Like they were the biggest team. But yeah. then so was Barcelona. Um, I'm not a fan of any one team per se. I guess I root more for countries. I find that stuff more interesting. Like it's obviously just more invested, like more nationalism rather than just an arbitrary team that's made up. Are there so any like, other sports you watch at all? Don't watch much sports in my free time, honestly. I don't know. Like, I, I keep up with what's going on. I try to read. I don't watch much of the NFL. I don't watch much college sports. I do watch some NBA. I think the NBA is pretty interesting, um, especially come playoff time. I think the NBA is interesting. Like, players' personalities, the way players are more expressive, the rights that they have there. Um, I find that interesting. I love world soccer, like, world championship, like, competitions, like, so, like, I've, I love those, whether it's the Euros or even, like, the um, World Cup soccer, Olympic soccer, like women's, women's World Cup. I, I love that stuff. I watched all the games. I, I really, really like watching that. I guess I love international and national competitions far more than, like, the arbitrary teams. So, I mean, when I, when I lived in Belgium, like, the Netherlands was awesome. Uh, all the players that they had. Van Nistelrooy was his name. I'm blanking right now, but like they had yeah, these awesome yeah. like teams, and they had their kits or kits. I'll say it properly. Were awesome. Um, so I guess like kind of rooted for them back then. The Belgian team recently has just gotten so much better and been so good in national play, international play. They've been fun to watch. The men's U.S. team has not been fun to watch. Um, <laughs> the women's team has been incredible. They're awesome. Like their personalities, the way they've been great on the field and so expressive off of it. Um, that's been, they've been really interesting to watch too. So like, yeah, I'm not really, I'm not answering if I have one team specifically in Europe, but just <laughs> cool. rambling about the other ones. So, you? Oh, don't ask that. Where are you guys there? Go on, David. Uh, I'm Arsenal. Arsenal Football Club. Okay. Uh, which I must say, I don't watch very much anymore because I'm so invested in baseball. The only other sport that I really watch is rugby international sort of six nations type rugby rugby world cup that's that's about it yeah and I, i'm newcastle oh, oh. which is interesting at the moment because of the saudi arabian uh, takeover yep. t- talk so see what happens there i took a i i don't it's gonna come off like a poor reflection of my university but i went to university of virginia it's a pretty pretty good school in the united states like i was lucky to go there and like um they had a class like you could take like for one credit, which is basically not very much. It's the lowest you can get, I guess. Uh-huh. <laughs> I took a rugby class. So I learned <laughs> some rugby when I was in college. It was like a class. It was like a random PE class. It was either pass or fail. I didn't really get a grade. And it was like, it was like co-ed. And it was always yeah. felt very weird that we had to practice tackling. And you had to tackle like other people in your class. And so they tried to pair you up with people that your size. But I mean, I'm like six foot. I'm, you know, whatever that is in meters. Uh, oh, don't worry. So we, like, do, we do feel You have to tackle like fine. a smaller guy or woman, like, you know, uh, <laughs> for a grade. We're basically, and I was like, oh, it's so awkward. Like, it's, yeah. yeah. So did you pass or fail that course? <laughs> I passed it. At six foot, I would hope so. Yeah. It was just like, I mean, you put them down softly. You weren't like necessarily tackling them hard. <laughs> Well, it was just because you said it was a pass or fail. It had to be asked. Yeah. But rugby was interesting. I remember it being fun. And, like, uh, the way the balls moved is so interesting. Like, in the coordination, passing the ball backwards, it's forming a line as you move forward and stuff like that. It was really interesting. 
James, thank you so, so much for your time. You've been a star, even if you did avoid some of our questions. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I uh, hope you guys stay safe over there. And uh, I mean, things get back safely to normal soon. Um, and we'll see. I mean, we'll see what season, what season you all get to watch or not. Yes. And we hope you stay safe as well. Yes, James. Thanks, James. And, and I get some of this uh, food I've been dying to get again. So. <laughs> yeah always a bonus <laughs> so that was the wonderful james wagner as he said if you want to find him on twitter he's at by james wagner thank you so so much again for that james we really do appreciate it and if you want to find us you can find us on twitter at uk Mets online and all our individual bios are linked on there and we hope you're staying safe staying safe <laughs> And washing your hands. And staying alert. And staying alert, yes. And if you've lasted this long, thank you for listening. We do appreciate it and we'll catch you soon. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.